The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Do you read Stephen King? Good news, there's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's an interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. I, I hope you, uh, you're already a subscriber to the series, but of course, if you're not... This is the moment. This is the moment where you hit the subscribe button before we get started here to keep up. Multiple interviews every week, at least like three a week, and sometimes even more than that. So hit that subscribe button so you'll get the little notification every time a new one goes up. And you can do that uh, anywhere you get your favorite podcast, including iTunes and Apple Podcast and Spotify and YouTube. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today my guest, Stuart Murdoch of the band Bell & Sebastian. I have been a fan of this band for... 20 years most of their run i think i came in a, a couple years after they had begun there but uh, they're back with a brand new record that also serves as a soundtrack to an upcoming movie called days of the bagnold summer we're going to talk about the uh, the background of how they got involved and in, and in what the movie is which is we hear uh, an indie movie about a uh, a heavy metal loving kid having uh, to spend some forced time with his mom and i know what you're thinking heavy metal and bell and sebastian makes perfect sense and Stuart will tell you that he definitely agrees. We'll have some discussion on the uh, coming-of-age genre and why it works so well with Bell and Sebastian music. And some of the songs, of course, from this record, like the instrumental Jill Pole, uh, the single Sister Buddha, and a pair of tracks that actually come from earlier in their catalog that have been re-recorded, talking about Get Me Away From Here, I'm Dying, and I Know Where the Summer Goes. Now, when we recorded this, they were about to set sail on a floating festival trip. They called their Bodie Weekender. And, of course, by the time this posts, that will have already happened, but you'll hear about uh, a little bit about that festival that went on and, and how they had planned it. And one of the things that was uh, going on on the, uh, the boat trip was they were going to play their fourth album in full. Uh, earlier this summer at the Pitchfork Festival, they had also played If You're Feeling Sinister in its entirety. So there's some discussion about how those, uh, how those albums speak to them today. And, of course, we'll ask the question of when we can expect the next record, because it's always about the next record. And give me more and more and more. 
It's Kyle Meredith with Stuart Murdoch of Bell and Sebastian. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, I got to say what an honor it is to talk to you. I, I've always been a fan and always enjoy what you all are doing. And this new uh, record soundtrack, however you want to categorize it, with Days of the Bagnold Summer is, a, is no exception. And I thought we could start with you kind of telling the backstory here because this starts uh, as a graphic novel turned into a movie that you've done the music for, right? Yes, that's right. The first time I knew about it was that we were approached by Simon Bird, uh, who was directing the film, but he hadn't he hadn't made the film at that point. And I think they were they were just um, throwing some ideas about for the music, and they said, "Well, we need let's try and get somebody like Bell and Sebastian." And then somebody said, "Well, have you actually tried Bell and Sebastian?" And 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 uh, so it, it just so happened it was a really good time for us. It just he just caught us at the right time. And 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 the music, I mean, it's of course. I haven't seen the movie. It, it seems so cohesive, but when I read about the movie and it talks about a, a heavy metal loving kid having to spend time with his mom, you know, the terms heavy metal loving kid and Bell and Sebastian aren't always the first two things you think of that go together. Well, we were, we were prepared to do metal. You know, we were prepared to like to be a new metal band for the movie, but in the end, in the end, they, you know, they used some they, they used some young metal band you know, for for the for, for some of the some of the music. <laughs> Did the storyline kind of direct you of of how to write and and what style to write though? Um, you know what? It, uh, it was a very it was a very happy uh, sort of collaboration uh, for me because. You know, I, I just downloaded the comic novel. I didn't even read the script. I, I just read the, the novel on the Friday. And it just so happened that I was I had been going through some old tapes, like going back twenty years and, and it just seemed to it just seemed immediately to match the, the mood of what I was reading. So I think by the Monday my, my ideas were all sort of lined up. I mean, as I read too, the movie, it's uh, you know a coming of age film, and that seems to be a comfortable spot for you. I, I don't know if you kind of sense that as well, but you know the coming of age, the way you've written songs in the past, and the and the subject matter, and and even you know the previous film you'd been a part of with God Help the Girl. Do you find yourself still connecting with that genre? Oh, definitely. I think I, it's not so much a, it's not even so much a genre that you're connecting with. I think it's a way of life. If you can, if you can spend your whole life coming of age, then you can get away with all sorts of nonsense. You know, it's just a, it, it's just a nice sort of. Sometimes it's just a nice place to be. You know, you, you can afford not to be so responsible. You can act like an idiot, um, <laughs> and you know, so it, it it's a nice place to sort of lose lose yourself. It's, easy, it's actually easy to be nostalgic about these times. So it's it's fun to write about. But as we all know, it you know it wasn't so much fun when we were actually going through it. Yeah. That's- it's true. <laughs> Only when you look back on it. <laughs> yeah. As I read, though, a lot of these songs, you all had started thinking about an instrumental album at first. Is, is that right? Yes. Well, we, we that's why it was quite good timing, because we we came, we finished our touring and we, we had this uh, blank bit of paper that was, uh, and we wrote at the top Autumn Recording Project. And the idea was to, to have fun, you know, to do all sorts of instrumental pieces together. Uh, you know, things that the, the, the group have maybe had up their sleeve for a while, things that hadn't been turned into songs, um, you know, because we're, you know, we're interested in music for the sake of music and um, and we're big fans of sort of library music, uh, you know, old-fashioned sort of 60s and 70s library records uh, for the BBC and things like that. So, yeah, we, we planned to get our own record together and that's when Simon came in and 
and asked us to do the do the movie. So there was already a, a nice little uh, group of tunes that he could he could choose from. Well, I got to say, one of the instrumentals that's still on this record, the, one of the songs that stayed instrumental with uh, Jill Pohl. I, I don't know if I'm saying the last name right there, but. Um, I tell you, it's such a lovely song, and that harmonica on the inst- you know uh, that harmonica that plays on that is to me it's one of the loneliest sounds. Like I, I can think of, it- it's almost like a moving on sound, you know, a leaving something behind sound. That that harmonica. <laughs> yes, I think. I mean, obviously, sometimes you can ask, well, do my strawberries taste like your strawberries? Everybody has a different, you know, feeling from the music. But saying that, there are certain instruments that, that do that do suggest different moods and and uh, and, and also the way they're played. So I, I agree with you that the harmonica is very, it can be very melancholy and wistful. And we're, we're lucky because you know it's Stevie and the, Stevie and the group actually uh, plays the, the chromatic harmonica to that level, so we don't have to go and look for somebody to play it. Well, it's especially you know the type that it is because you know obviously all instruments can sound different depending on what they are, but that type of harmonica, like I remember that to me, it's like every time I think about a movie in the late seventies or early eighties, when someone is on a road trip and they're leaving everything behind, it's that harmonica, that sound, that specific (laughs) one that's soundtracking. (laughs) No, definitely. And you know, it's like, like for instance, there's a filmmaker, a British filmmaker called Mike Lee, and he has a certain tone with his films. And, uh, you know, I just love his films. Uh, And as soon as you hear that first cello come in, it's almost like a a Pavlovian reaction. Uh, You know, I I, I feel emotional as soon as I hear that first cello coming in, and I know that I'm in for a kind of emotional roller coaster. Well, there are a couple songs here that, uh, you know, does come from earlier on in your canon that's been redone, uh, Get Me Away From Here I'm Dying, and I Know Where the Summer Goes. Why take those and, and redo those for the soundtrack? Well, um, it's quite simply because Simon he he put them in. Um, he you know he wanted to, he was quite certain he wanted to use those tunes. For us, it was more satisfactory to actually to just throw down some new versions for him. It was fun to do. I think especially I know where the summer goes. We've actually been playing that song quite a lot recently with a with a slightly kind of beefier arrangement with the piano and stuff. So. So it was fun to put that one down. And, and then there's just even the practicalities of, of kind of, we were sort of trying to do him a favour. It's actually cheaper. <laughs> it was cheaper for us to re-record than for him to licence wow. uh, our earlier records. You know, so it was more satisfactory. Do you have the itch like some artists do to, you know, to, to go back and rewrite some of your earliest songs? It, like, does that stay around and this give you the excuse for that? <laughs> well, not not rewrite. And, and very rarely... Uh, very rarely replay even, but it, it, it does. On this occasion, it did give us an excuse, you know, to re-record a, a couple, which was fun, you know. And it, but also, it's quick, you know. It's, I think if you if you spent too long, then you would quickly get the, the fun away from it. But uh, yeah, it, it's more like doing a. A radio session, you just go in and play it live. Well, I love how those have turned out, too, you know, being some old favorites. But flipping that, you know, to one of the newer songs, uh, Sister Buddha, uh, though as I read, this is a song that also falls out the natural storyline. 
because I guess you didn't write it specifically for the movie? Yeah, that's right. Actually, that was part of the instrumental process. But, you know, if, if they turned into songs, then obviously you don't complain. It was a, it was, it was a couple of instrumental pieces that I jammed together and, and then I just happened to write the words from. But it was in the same folder and Simon happened to hear it and he was just like, I, you know, I don't know where I'm going to put it, but I just want that for the film. So we said, well, that's, yeah, that's okay. You know, it's, it's caught us at the right time, you know, so you can have it. It is one of the catchiest songs that you've ever done uh, as far as earworms go and we absolutely love it around here oh great yeah. fantastic <laughs> uh, it's it's an interesting seg too because you know with that with that word buddha in there you've got the bodhi weekender coming up you're going to be doing the uh, the festival out on the open waters and as i read you have a buddhist nun that's going to be there <laughs> that's right no it's uh yeah we're off in a we're off in two days actually and uh my friend kelsang magic is is coming on the on the boat and uh, this is going to be I I, I I like that notion of uh, of getting some some wisdom and some philosophy in there at the you know at the back door maybe when people don't expect it especially when they're uh, when they can't get, uh, I don't mean I was going to say when they can't go anywhere anyway you know they're kind of uh, you know poised with having to think through all of yeah, that <laughs> it, it's cap, they're captive they're not going anywhere exactly. <laughs> Uh, this does sound fun, though. You know, uh, of course, we've we've heard of some other bands doing this, but yours seems a bit grander in scale. How many artists do you have on this on this trip? Oh yeah, there is about you know twenty twenty five different artists, and I think the I mean the notion for us was always to to get a floating festival. I know that they they started doing this in the Caribbean, but you know, like they have the Kiss boat or the Bon Jovi boat or something like that, but. But, um, yeah, our notion is always to bring a bunch of friends along and, and kind of mix it up. And you never know what's going to happen. I like the notion that we're all stuck together because because um, sometimes, you know, these days when you're at, at festivals, you know, sometimes you don't really get time to to see the other bands and spend time with them. But, uh, um, that's going to be the most fun yeah. on this trip. You know, I'll kind of wrap up here with Pitchfork Festival not happening long ago, you know, kind of bridging the past to the present. You all had played uh, If You're Feeling Sinister. I think you're playing another album in full on the uh, on the boat trip, right? Yes, yeah, playing a fourth album, yeah. Do you find that, uh, you know, when you get to put, you know, the album in its entirety in a new live context, are these albums saying anything different to you today than what they said, you know, 20, 20 plus years ago? Well, we've only actually performed, oh no, we did do Tiger Monk once and we did, we've done Sinister a couple of times. Well, you know what, maybe we don't have, maybe it's not so profound for us than it is for other bands because quite often we revisit these songs, you know, in our regular set. Um, but, you know, when, when we did put them together and play them in Chicago, yeah, it was quite a joyful thing for me. Uh, it was uh, revisiting a time that was, like I hinted at before, that was full of confusion and very emotional time. Um, but when you actually look back on it, it's, it's much funner to look back on that time than it was maybe to be in it. So it was it, it, it was kind of joyful. I wouldn't want to do to perform the records in full very often because that would take the fun out of it. But uh, I've, I've enjoyed every time we've done it. It was interesting. I was talking with uh, Danny Harrison the other day and and he his philosophy, which sounds like it might be different from yours, is he says an album isn't complete until you've played it live from front to back. You know, so I know for some that's really important. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, we, are, we yeah we are quite the opposite. It's funny because somebody we were just having a, a conversation about you know where 
pubs going and, and you know rocks going and what people are doing. And 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 I had to admit that we never we never really tour an LP. We never perform an LP. We never once we release a record, we, we kind of throw a couple of songs apologetically into the, <laughs> the set list. But we never you know we never do a this is our new album. We're going to play it. You know we, we just tend to mix it up. So that's never been a thing for us. As as far as that new album, of course, that's that's usually where I think us uh, interviewers in this. Uh, but I heard that you were working on another album the same time as the uh, soundtrack to uh, Back in Old Summer. Uh, is, is there any ETA on that? Oh, yeah, well, that was actually, that's the instrumental project. Oh, we I see. That before. I see. And, and, but which, you know, roughly speaking, might come out as a, a series of EPs. We were planning maybe five EPs. But, but you never know, we actually might put that to one side and actually work on a, a, a so-called proper LP uh, next year. Well, I certainly do love with the uh, Days of the Bagnold summer. Uh, I look forward to seeing the movie. It doesn't come out till next year, though, right? Yes, it's a, I think it's a, we start of next year. Stuart, it has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Great. Take care and enjoy the, uh, the boating weekend. Thank you. Bye for now. Stuart Murdoch, big thanks. Bell and Sebastian's new album is called Days of the Bagnold Summer, serving as the soundtrack to the upcoming film that's due out next year. Hey, before you get out, don't forget, there is a subscribe button around you, and I hope you do hit it. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can hit the follow button there, YouTube uh, there as well. Make sure you hit that bell so you get the notification every time we put up new interviews. And then you can head to WFPK.org. That's where you'll find me doing a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. I do an hour of new music, uh, big anniversary celebrations for certain albums, clips from these interviews, and much, much more. That's at WFPK.org. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.